With a ridiculous amount of roster turnover this past season, this team still has three pretty huge question marks for the 2023 season. We're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with whole nine sports and Giants country of SI.com and NFL 33. And we're talking about what I think are the three biggest question marks for this Florida Gators team going into 2023. Replacing the O-line is not on it, and I'll talk about that later, but I will say that the first thing I'm talking about, starting quarterback, because obviously that is the most important position in all of football, not just for the Florida Gators, and it's the most important position for everything except an option team. That's pretty much it, except for an option team. And Florida has two primary options, we'll say, in Graham Mertz, and Jack Miller the third. And here's the thing. I am on the side that I think it's better for Graham Mertz to start. But again, I'm not at practice every day. I don't see every rep. I don't see what they do behind closed doors. So whoever Billy Napier and the rest of his coaching staff decide should be the starting quarterback, I'm cool with. I'm not firmly in the Graham Mertz camp. I'm just saying that right now, based on what I've seen from both of them, it's Graham Mertz. And it's also hard for me to say how what I've seen from both of them because we really, truly, genuinely have not seen much have not seen much from Jack Miller the third because he's so inexperienced. He we haven't he at Ohio State, he didn't play much. He rotated in, and by rotated in, I mean he played very sparingly in blowouts. Okay. So we didn't see him play. I think Akron was the game he played the most against. So we didn't see him much at Ohio State. Last season as a Gator, lost the starting QB battle to Anthony Richardson, injured his thumb, and wasn't able to play until the bowl game. And even then, that was with very little practice, because especially because it was an early bowl game. At least if it was a late bowl game, then it's like, okay, he would at least have, you know, 12 practices to get in with everybody, maybe develop a little bit of chemistry with players. But no, because again, I know Gator fans like to, some Gator fans like to forget this. Jack Miller III wasn't even practicing for the huge majority of the 2022 season because he injured his right thumb. You can't grab a football and throw a football without having that thumb. So he wasn't able to throw football for the most part, which means he wasn't able to work with his teammates for the most part. And I know that I've likened it to there. There've been basketball players where, you know, they tear their ACL and it's like, well, what can I do? Work on my free throws. Like that's what I'm going to do. You can't do that as a starting QB. If you hurt your thumb, because you can't throw the football at any way. It's not like, I, uh, you know, I, I, I hurt my, ribs or my oblique and it hurts to throw the ball deep so i'm gonna work on my short stuff no you can't do that that's not a thing that you're allowed to do when your thumb 
doesn't work. So he wasn't allowed to work through the playbook, which is important. Knowing the playbook and being able to work through the playbook and execute the playbook are two different things. So Jack Miller wasn't able to do that. Then comes into the bowl game and the game plan was obviously just run the football every time you possibly can, which wasn't working because everyone knew the game plan would be run the football every time you possibly can. So that didn't work either. So this was just, it it was a bad experience that again, I throw out the window because of everything that went into it. It makes it an impossible game to evaluate for Jack Miller, the third. So I take it and I throw it out the window. So there's that. You can also bring up the possibility of someone else starting, but I don't think that's going to happen. I know that I saw it on Twitter. uh, I think it was Saturday. Someone on Twitter was like, oh, what about Max Brown? What about the possibility of him starting? Highly, highly, highly unlikely. I'll say that. I I just think it's unlikely. And I love Max Brown, and I would love it if he could somehow earn that starting spot. But I I think it's between Graham Mertz and Jack Miller III, and that's it. I will also say one thing that I think is overlooked with Graham Mertz specifically is his experience to work under center. And I know under center is something that you really don't see often anymore in today's football because there's so much pistol and shotgun work. But if you're, or at least this is the camp I'm in, if you're a team that is going to commit to running the football 50 to 60% of the time, and you're committed to working out of 12 personnel, so one running back, two tight ends, working under center is honestly an advantage pistol as well but under center is also an advantage because when you're in the shotgun usually the running back is to the qb's left or right and you can we'll say you could take an educated guess as to which way the run is going based on that sure you can run counters and and you can change it up but for the most part if the running backs on the right side of the quarterback they're running to the left side of the quarterback because they have to go like that to get the ball anyway if they're under center or out of the pistol they can line up behind the quarterback and if you're working in 12 personnel you could have one receiver on the right one tight end on the right one receiver on the left one tight end on the left and then you're in a perfectly balanced formation you're not showing which way you're running you're not showing If you're running, you're not showing anything. You're just saying, hey, it's perfectly balanced. You figure out whatever you think is the strong side. Maybe we'll run to the side where you have a you have a good run stopping linebacker. He lines up on the right side, then now we're running to the left. If he runs if he lines up on the left, now we're running to the right. You have a lot of versatility. When you work out of the when you work under center, you also have that same thing, and bootleg becomes a lot more lethal. I get it. Gators fans, some Gators fans have gotten into the habit of saying, we don't like it when our quarterback turns their back to the defense. You can say that. Sure, that's a valid concern. I don't think it's as major an issue as as some Gators fans like to make it seem. Yes, Anthony Richardson was better when he wasn't turning his back to the defense. Sure. Anthony Richardson was just lights out on play action. Like he was just awesome on play action plays last year. Don't care which way he was turning. He was awesome on play action. But I would say with Graham Mertz, he knows how to operate under center. It's a lot easier to teach someone to take snaps from the shotgun than under center, by the way. So Graham Mertz already knowing how to do that, that creates a little bit of fun that you can work with with Graham Mertz. And that's what I, I it is fun 
that you can do. I don't know if Jack Miller can take snaps under center. I know that Graham Mertz has extensive experience doing so just from being Wisconsin's quarterback for the past few years. Who starts? I don't know. Again, I'm leaning Graham Mertz. I don't have a a strong opinion either way because, again, I'm standing on the fact that I'm not at every practice. I'm not in every meeting. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in everything that needs to go into this decision. So I will trust whoever the coaching staff decides to start. I'm just saying right now, my preference is Graham Mertz. But again, I'm open to whatever. I'm not firmly in either camp. We will have to talk about who's replacing who on the defensive side of the ball because that is um, massive question marks. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Built Bar. We are... Halfway through March, almost a couple days away from being halfway through March. If you're still sticking to your New Year's resolution, you deserve a medal at this point, if we're being honest. If you're not, that's expected this late in the year. But it's also time to start getting in shape for summer. My diet started today. I hate it, but I do love that I get to eat Built Bar coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories, just four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And awesome flavor. Someone actually tweeted at me on, I think it was Friday, uh, that they tried the brownie batter built puff and they were like, they tagged me and they're like, this is awesome. And I'm like, hell yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. You can go and get it in stores too. You can go to built or builtbar.com and get it online or go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get yourself built bar. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And the Florida Gators have quite a few starters in 2023 that are going to start the year starters that were not starters at the start of last year. And I, I word it like that. I word it at the start of last year because at the start of last year, Brenton Cox Jr. was a starting Jack. He's not going to be here this year. He wasn't here at the end of last year, but again, he went through all of camp last season as a starter. Who's replacing him in 2023 for a long time. I thought it was Antoine Powell-Ryland who replaced him when he got dismissed from the team last year. That is not the case. Who's going to be replacing Brenton Cox Jr. at Jack is Princely Uman Mielin, which is awesome because I've mentioned this before. And also, I'm going to say this. Stop coming at me for saying this. Scouts from the NFL (laughs) and media have both talked to me and said, Last year, 33 was the best player on that defense, meaning they think last year Prince Luman Mielin was the best player on the defense. This year, he gets to play Jack, which I think he's going to be a lot better at Jack than he was at the end. I don't know if he prefers rushing with his hand in the dirt or not. Personally, I think it's a lot easier to rush with your hand not in the dirt. That's why I'm a fan of the I get it, Hybrid four two five, call it two four. Hybrid four two five, call it four two five, call it two four five. Whatever you want to call it. I'm a fan of two down linemen, two stand up edge rushers. I'm a fan of that because I think it's a lot easier to rush from a stand up stance, and I think it's a lot easier to be more creative. If you have two stand up edge rushers, you don't know which one is rushing, which one's dropping back into coverage. If they're both rushing, if they're both dropping back into coverage, you can get really creative with things, and so that's why I prefer that. Princely though is going to be playing Jack. He's going to be a starter at Jack. 
which is awesome. It's an upgrade over Brenton Cox Jr. Yeah, Brenton Cox is going to be in the NFL in a couple of months. But Princely, for the huge majority of last season, was better. And then at the end of the season, Princely was, again, even better. So Princely playing Jack is a huge upgrade, I think. Then you get to other positions, like linebacker. You need to replace both Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie. You're replacing them with... There's a few guys, and I'm cool with all of them. That's how I stand on it. Where my main thing is... I want Shamar James to start. That's like the only thing that I'm set in stone is that I want Shamar James to start. The duo that I'd prefer Shamar James and Derek Wingo starting with Taraja Mitchell and maybe Manny Nunnery or Deuce Spurlock or Scooby Williams at will coming off the bench rotating. But I'd prefer Shamar James and Derek Wingo start. Whether that happens or not, We'll see, but that would be my preferred starting duo. You also have the opposite corner that you're replacing from the start of last year, similar to how Brenton Cox started the year starting at Jack, did not finish the year starting at Jack, did not finish the year on the team. Avery Helm last year started the year starting at the outside corner opposite Jason Marshall, and like not even halfway through the season, Jaden Hill came back from injury, and Jaden Hill got the start. So... Jaden Hill is there. Will he start? I don't know, but for now, he's the he's the uh, incumbent at that spot, so we'll give that to him. You also have to replace both of your starting safeties, who, by the way, I know that there's a lot of Gators fans who are not draft fans, don't follow the draft. You could like NFL teams, but you don't follow the draft in depth. I understand that. Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance. What awful combine performances those were. Like, my lord. Those were bad combine performances. Um, So I will say that. The the tape wasn't good in 2022, so we thought at least Trey Dean would have a very strong combine performance. I don't care if there's the whole uh, hip issue I don't I don't care about it. I was told last year, by the way, when he sat the Eastern Washington game, I was told that he had a hip issue during there. And that's why he sat. They were using it as a benching opportunity to just like rest him because they were playing Eastern Washington. So I was told that he's been dealing with hip issues. So that might be true. But dear Lord, both of them just horrible combine performances all around. Um, yeah, it, it was... It was rough. I'll say that. You have to replace both of them. We can kind of pencil in Miguel Mitchell as someone that's favorited right now. I'd say Miguel Mitchell and Kamari Wilson are the two favorites. Maybe you could put Miguel Mitchell and Kamari Wilson. And again, I know I've said this before. I would love to see it be Jadarius Perkins. You're also replacing your starting star in Trevez Johnson, who started at star last year, transferred to Missouri this year, where if he sticks at star for Missouri, he's going to be rushing the passer a lot. That's something they do, um, which is also funny because now Florida is going to have their star rush the passer a solid bit. But when Trevez left, he was not, he didn't know Austin Armstrong was going to be here and Patrick Tony was going to be leaving for the NFL. So you're replacing your starting safeties. You're replacing a guy who started last year at the starting corner opposite Jason Marshall. The only person who started in the secondary last season to start the year 
and will almost definitely start the year 2023 as a starter at that position is Jason Marshall. You've lost trading. You've lost Rashad Torrance. You've lost Trevez Johnson. You've lost Avery Helm. You've lost four of your five starters from the secondary. Whether or not Gators fans think that's good or bad, I, th- I think it's good that you lost a lot of guys from a secondary that was awful. It's up to you guys. And the last guy that we're going to talk about, certainly not least, is Javon Dexter, who I know I've been hard on him. I, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm not, or I seem like I've been hard on him. My main complaint is just that there were too many plays where he seemed like he was comfortable taking double teams and not shedding them. And I think that that's not that harsh of a criticism that I, every time I mention it, Gators fans are in my comments fighting for their lives to defend Javon. And that's good, by the way. Like I'm glad that you have a player that you're willing to fight and defend. I just want to make it clear. I don't dislike Javon. I still think he should be a day two NFL draft pick because of his potential and his ceiling and his athletic profile. I'm just saying it seemed like last year he never took the step that we were hoping he would take because he was comfortable taking double teams, it looked like. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's terrible or undraftable. I don't want to make that seem like that's what I'm saying, but I know that my comments, every time I mention it, blow up with Javon defense, and and that's good. So kudos to you. Um, But again, I'm not saying I dislike him. I'm just saying that he didn't reach my expectations last year. Anthony Richardson did what I expected last year. Uh, I expected him to be bad for the huge majority of the year and expected him to be inconsistent. Javon Dexter, I expected to take the next steps. He did not, but that's enough. We also need to talk about how the Florida Gators desperately need help at tight end or desperately need production from the tight end spot. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel, which is America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And March Madness is a few days away. So if you want to make yourself some money, you should go. I've mentioned multiple times now during all the conference tournaments, FanDuel is giving 25% college basketball boosts every day. I missed one, I, I lost one of those bets. So I was just taking 25% boosts and just rolling them back and rolling them back. So that was awesome. Um, I will say that that was great. Thank you to every team that I bet on that covered. Um, Toledo, thanks for getting the over, even though you lost the MAC championship. That sucks. You guys know. I'm a, I'm a Toledo alum, so that sucks. But um, don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back, and you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review, join the Lockdown Gators Discord, which the description, which is the link is in the description below, so join that. But the last thing that we do need to talk about is tight end production in 2023 has to be better than it was in 2022. I don't need it to be elite. I don't need the Florida Gators tight ends to be as productive as Utah's tight ends. I don't need the Florida Gators tight ends to be as productive as Georgia tight ends. Like, I don't need you to be Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. I don't need you to be Dalton Kincaid and Brent Keithy. I don't need you to be um, 2017 Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. I don't need you to do that. I need you to be reliable and somewhat productive. Dante Zanders is someone that I'm incredibly interested in seeing how he plays this year because he dropped from, uh, I, I just go in the weights off the top of my head. I think last season he was listed at 262. 
He opened spring ball is it at 241. So he lost 21 pounds. I'm interested to see with the continued weight loss, because if I'm not mistaken, he lost about 20 pounds from 2020 to 2021 to the 2021 to 2022 season. I believe he lost about 20 pounds. So I'm curious to see how he looks this year with continued weight loss. He wasn't someone that I was looking at last year saying, oh, he needs to lose weight. So I'm interested to see now that he has lost weight, are you going to be quicker? Are you going to be faster? Because those are two different things, by the way. Um, How are you going to be explosive-wise? Did your blocking drop off or did your blocking get better because you lost a lot of fat, converted some to muscle, and now you're stronger? So I'm curious to see how that's going to go. I'm also very curious to see how the development will go because you had William Piegler last year. Now you have Russ Calloway as your tight ends coach. And I'm curious to see how much Russ Calloway can develop these guys in five to six months. We'll say five months. It's closer to five months than six. So in five months, how Russ Calloway can develop you. His experience as a wide receiver coach, is he going to help you run routes better? Is he going to make your blocking not better, but not worse or not worse, but not better? Like, are you going to just plateau as a blocker? Curious to see how that goes. Keon Zipperer, will you be consistently involved in the passing game? And I don't think that's on him. I know a lot of people talk about Keon Zipperer not be, or a lot of Gators fans talk about Keon Zipperer not being a, a good tight end because he wasn't super productive. He was relatively productive when you consider that he dealt with some injuries, that he was in an offense where the passing attack just wasn't good in general. I'm curious to see if he takes the next step. I understand that a lot of Gators fans are looking at him like, he's six foot, six one, whatever he is. He can't be a consistent contributor at tight end. Yes, he can. Okay, I just want to make that clear. Him being six foot, six one does not matter to me. Sure, you're less of a threat in the red zone. That's understandable. But if you can get open, I don't care how tall you are. <laughs> if, if you can get open with relative consistency, I don't care how tall you are. That means nothing to me. So there's that. So will he be involved? What will he do as a run blocker? Will he be better? Will he be more improved? And I think the biggest thing I want to see from this tight end group is more rotation. I feel like last year, Dante Sanders and Keon Zipper played a ton of the snaps. I want to see Dante Sanders play consistently. I want to see Keon Zipper play consistently. I want to see Jonathan Odom play consistently. I want to see... Arliss Boardingham play consistently. Hell, I want to see Hayden Hansen play. I don't know about you guys, but I want to see Quadzilla play. I want to see Hayden come in. I don't care if it's just red zone. If you just go, hey, you're big as hell. And I, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but he's kind of a savage on jump balls. So put him into the red zone. I don't like if he doesn't play, if he plays like use him like Mercedes Lewis, just be like, hey, man. You're coming in in the red zone, and you're either run blocking or we're probably going to throw a fade to you. Use him like that. I have no issues with that at all. I don't care. Do that. If that's how you get usage out of him, then do that, and, and I'm fine with that and make him a red zone monster. Okay? That's my suggestion. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football now. For your second listen of the day, listen to Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. 
Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work at Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, and NFL 33. Don't forget to dominate the day, by the way. And I will see you all tomorrow.